The sermon of St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, member of the Wells, preached on July 3, 2011, based on Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7 and verses 10 through 14. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit works in our hearts here today is a portion of the first lesson from Jeremiah chapter 29. You have the sermon text printed on the back of the insert. If you'd like to follow along, we read verse 7 once again. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. What is our country coming to? On June 24th, New York became the sixth state to legalize same-sex marriage. Traditional marriages in every state suffer as more and more unmarried couples live together as if they were husband and wife. What is the American family coming to? Abortions continue as if the unborn child were just a mass of tissue. Graphic images of sex and violence become more accessible and more explicit each year. Or look at our own state. Can't even pass a budget. Government services are shutting down. Or look on the international scene. How many of our overseas covert activities would leave us feeling ashamed if we really knew the details? What is our country coming to? And yet, we love our country, don't we? And and rightly so. We value the freedoms handed down to us. We enjoy its prosperity. We take our hats off to our heroes. We support our troops. We respect the flag and sing its anthems. Is it any surprise that at times we might feel like bipolar citizens, fluctuating between the extremes of feeling very patriotic and then the despair of a hopeless future and moral bankruptcy? What can we learn from the prophet Jeremiah that applies to us today? If we think about it, these exiles that Jeremiah wrote to under the Lord's direction probably felt some of those extremes of patriotism and despair as well. Let's let's go back to that time. It was about 600 B.C. according to our calendars. Zechariah was king in Jerusalem, but... The real power was with Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Zechariah was simply a vassal. In fact, King Nebuchadnezzar had taken Zechariah's predecessor, Jehoiakim, into exile along with many of the officials, uh, leaders, and craftsmen of Judah. These were the exiles that Jeremiah was now writing to. Imagine how they must have been feeling. And... When we remember the time frame, we realize that this was not only a a political struggle that they were feeling in their hearts, but also a spiritual one. Because we are talking about this time before Jesus was born. God's promises to send the Savior were tied to that land of Judah from which they had been exiled. They were tied to the family line of King David. Jerusalem was still the one place that God had chosen for his temple. Yes, all that would change after Jesus came. 
But for these exiles, that was still in the time before Christ, B.C. Can you imagine the pain and hurt and despair they must have felt? It would be easy for them to figure that they should pray against the city that they were exiled to. But what does the Lord say to them through the prophet here? Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. For 70 years they would be in that city. That would be the rest of the life for most of them. So they were to settle down, raise a family. They were to make this city their home for the time being. Because the Lord wanted to bless them as his people by blessing the place where they were living. And yet even as they prayed for that city they were exiled to, they knew that their true home was back in Judah where the Savior would come. Now, if we can keep our mindset fixed in with the right mindset that the Lord wanted for these exiles, we begin to understand what it means to pray for the country the Lord has placed us in. That's the theme we want to put into practice here today as the Holy Spirit works in our hearts through God's word and sacrament. Yes, dear Christian friends, pray for the country the Lord has placed you in. For you see, he wants to bless you through his country and he has an eternal future planned for you. Pray for the country the Lord has placed you in. Even as these exiles were to pray for the city that they were living in, they were to pray for that city not because they thought it was such a good city or so much better than other cities. That was not so. They were not to pray for it because they felt so patriotic or figured that their city merited God's special favor. That wasn't true either. They were to pray for it because that is where God had placed them and he wanted to bless them by blessing the place in which they were living. And so also like these exiles, the Lord wants us to pray for the country, the city, the state that he has placed us in. But we pray not with that attitude that thinks that we are a more blessed or a more God-fearing nation than any other nation. That's sort of a false kind of patriotism. And we don't pray because we think this is the most wonderful place on the earth or because we think that our nation is better than others. All those kinds of thinking may make us feel patriotic, but that's a dangerous kind of patriotism. Don't believe the rhetoric. Rather, pray for the country the Lord has placed us in. Pray for our city and our state because God wants to bless you through the governing authorities that are over us. God wants to bless us. And so we pray, giving thanks to God for the freedoms, opportunities, and good things that have been handed down to us through our city, state, and country. And yet we also pray, recognizing the failures and faults that we share as a community and as a country. Yes, We certainly love our country and we pray for it. 
But when we pray with it, with that kind of attitude that realizes that this is where God has placed us and it, He is the one who wants to bless us through it, that, that leads to a balanced patriotism that keeps God above country, recognizing that all the good that we receive through our country, state, and city is only because of His gracious and merciful blessing. And so we pray for that blessing to continue. Yes, the Lord wants to bless us through the country and the place that we live in. And just think about how much of our earthly peace and prosperity and well-being depends on God blessing us with wise leaders, orderly government, just laws, and peaceful relations. Oh, he certainly wants us to work as we are able in order to provide for ourselves and our families. We are not to indulge in laziness, expecting the government to take care of us. But how much good would a hard day's labor do for you or for me if we did not have a government that kept law and order for us and that provided an economic framework so that a dollar bill was actually worth something? Even though we might think it's very little at times, it is still worth something. Just look at what we have in our homes to see that. That's how God uses our country, our state, our, our city, our government to bless us. And so we pray for the country in which God has placed us so that he may continue to grant us that earthly peace and prosperity by working through the authorities over us. And yet even as we pray, looking or asking the Lord for that peace and prosperity, we don't pray with the kind of selfish attitude that wants that peace and prosperity so that we can live it up or take it easy. Rather, we keep in mind what our God said through the Apostle Paul to young Pastor Timothy. The Lord says here, as he urges Timothy to pray for the governing authorities, he also explains why. He says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority. And now here's the purpose, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. As God blesses you through our country, Live peaceful and quiet lives because you know the peace that you have with God through our Lord Jesus Christ who reconciled you to God through his death for your sins. As God blesses you through our country, live in all holiness and godliness for you have been washed clean and reborn into his family through the water and word of baptism. You carry his family name keep that name holy by holding to his truth and by living your life in line with his commands. And as God blesses us through our country, remember that he wants all to be saved by coming to the knowledge of his truth. And so use the earthly wealth that the Lord blesses you with to spread his word of truth to others. For as his truth is taught correctly, the Holy Spirit works faith in the hearts of others so that they too are saved.
And so do you see why, dear friends, why the Lord wants to bless us by blessing the country, the state, the city that we are living in. So pray for the country the Lord has placed you in. And yet, even as we pray for our country, remember what your true home is. Your true home is not Hancock, Minnesota, or whatever other city or town you were born in or grew up in. Your native land is not the United States of America. For you see, we are strangers and foreigners here on this earth. When you were reborn through baptism, you became a citizen of the heavenly kingdom. Your King and Lord is the one who has redeemed you with his blood to be his very own people. And he has an eternal future planned for you. A future where hope becomes a reality. Yes, just as these exiles back in Jeremiah's day were to remember that their true home was back in Judah where the Savior would be born. So we remember that our true home is heaven where our Savior now reigns. The Lord had it all planned out for them. And to strengthen that hope that they had in the Lord, Jeremiah reminds them of his promise. After 70 years of exile, he would bring them back to that land where the Savior would be born. But before that happened, Jerusalem and the temple would be destroyed. And so they dare not believe the false prophets who promised a speedy return. They dare not build their hope on a political solution. They were to trust the Lord and his promises. For the Lord had told them, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope, and a future. Now, even though the Lord has not revealed a specific detail about our future on this earth, like he did for these exiles, telling them what would happen 70 years from then, even though the Lord has not made specific promises or revelations for you and me, he has promised this for you, his faithful people. After our pilgrimage on this earth, whether it be 70 years or more or less, he will take us to the heavenly Jerusalem. The Jerusalem that needs no temple, for the Lord God himself and the Lamb are its temple. Yes, remember and recall that hope and future that is set before you. That hope and future that the Apostle Peter describes as he writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who, believe, who through faith are shielded by God's power. Think about that. Even though the Lord has not made specific promises about our earthly life, he has that eternal future planned for you who remain his faithful people. 
And so you can live each day with that assurance that until that day that he brings us to our heavenly home, he will certainly be watching over us. For through faith in Jesus, you are shielded by his power. So no matter what happens in our earthly existence here, no matter what happens to our country or its moral decline, no matter where the political winds blow or what budget is passed or not passed, your Lord and God has an eternal future planned for you. And with your confidence built on His promise, seek Him throughout your life and call upon Him in prayer. That's what He urges us through these words of the prophet. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Dear Christian, seek the Lord with all your heart. Seek him in his word and sacrament for that is where he has chosen and promised to be found. And as his word of truth fills your heart and mind, know and be sure that he hears your prayers. So pray for the country the Lord has placed you in. Pray that the word of our God touches the hearts of our fellow citizens. For the righteousness of a people upholds the nation. Pray that the Lord stop the moral decay that hardens minds against His will. Pray, trusting that He has your eternal future planned out for you. Yes, pray, trusting His good promise and faithful plan. For He has heaven as your hope and your future. Pray to the Lord for the country He has placed us in. And as we pray and see the Lord blessing us through our country, remember that he blesses us with these earthly things so that we can spread his word of truth to others, generously supporting his work. And as you pray, remember the eternal future he has planned for you. Then the bipolar extremes of patriotic mania or political depression won't swing us around. For you know that everything is under the power of your Heavenly Father. Nothing happens that is outside of our Lord and His control, our Lord who has redeemed us with His blood. For heaven is our native land. Heaven is our home. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.